everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Paya Grojet, the unofficial podcast about uh, the board game Gaia Project. I am, as usual, Matteo, El Temblo, on Board Gamer Space. With me, as usual, again, is Simone Molfo. Hi, everyone. And for this uh, very special episode, we have our first guest, which is Marco Dalpra. Hi, Marco. Hi, Zero Cool on uh, Board Game Space. Why is Marco here? Well, uh, if you already don't know that, you should know that uh, Marco has been, has recently organized a worldwide tournament, an international tournament of uh, Gaia Project, who was played on Board Gamer Space. And well, we called him today because we would like to talk with him about uh, how this tournament went and in general uh, to talk about uh, a competitive environment on the, in the universe of Gaia Project. So since I took part in this tournament as well, I already passed the mic uh, to Simone. And well, you know, this episode is not a scripted one. So let's see how it goes. Your turn, Simone. Yes, there will be, there will be a lot of improvising in case people hasn't, hasn't, hadn't realized this. This is a very unusual episode for us, although we, we hope this will be the, the first in a long series of episodes where we have, well, first of all, we have guest stars. So it's not just me and Matteo Blabin, but we also hear the voices of other, of other speakers, of other enthusiasts of Gaia Project. And yes, we would like to, you know, get the community more, community of players more involved also commenting and discussing what's going on in the in the wider community in the meta existence of the game and of course this means also discussing competitions more or less official ones so there are there there are and there have been several tournaments and similar competitions that have been organized in the, in the course of the last year year and a half on board gamers And probably the tournament organized by Marco is one of the most, um, of, the, of the longest one. How, how long did the tournament last, uh, Marco? Uh, it lasted, uh, I think, uh, uh, nine months. At the beginning, the idea was to do something different. Uh, but uh, the problem is that uh, many players, uh, some players, not a lot, but some players uh, were uh, slow to play. Mm -hmm. And uh, since the, ga the um, games uh, were turn-based, uh, the problem is that uh, some games uh, went really, really long. And in fact, uh, uh, till now, some games uh, of, the, of, the last, uh, of the last round uh, has not finished yet. So uh, the duration of the tournament uh, was more, uh, more long than what I expected. But of course, uh, uh, I, I think that uh, in, the, in the new tournaments that uh, I am going to organize, I think last year, uh, I, I will try to solve this problem. All right. So let me get this straight. The tournament is finished in that we already have a winner, but some games are still going. Is, is, is that correct? Yes. Uh, um, just a few games. I think one game. Uh, one game uh -huh. finished yesterday and uh, another one is going to finish in these days. But okay, we have already the, the, the winner that is here, that is Matteo. Oh, oh the, the and, winner is, is, is here with us. <laughs> uh, yes, in fact. And so, but uh, the, the, the game that must uh, finish yet uh, is uh, um, 
is uh, of a game between people that uh, cannot have the chance uh, to right. uh, to arrive in the first positions. So the, the first uh, 20 positions uh, are uh, are freezed. All right, 20 positions. How many how many participants did the tournament have? Uh, there, there were uh, 44 uh, participants at the beginning. After few games, uh, two of them uh, dropped them. And uh, uh, because uh, 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 it is really nice, uh, uh, one guy said, uh, uh, I cannot play with, uh, these uh, slow games because uh, I think every night about, uh, about uh, the game, so I want to play only live games. And uh, another guy dropped it because, uh, I don't know, he, he didn't uh, have the time to, to make many games. And so the first three games, uh, he was really really slow and then he dropped it but uh, i have to say that uh, uh, 40 players uh, play played uh, almost all the games so i think that is a good number i am very satisfied of that uh, okay with the problem that some games went really slow but uh, i'm uh, i'm really happy about that all right yeah i think i think that's a problem in general like platforms such as bgs give us the opportunity to play basically non-stop in uh, 20 24 7 we can play gaia project and we can play online we can play with our friends even if they live even if they live abroad or if we meet new people and you know there is a, an international community now of players to guy project that's a really good thing but the disadvantage is that uh, we need to basically if we, if you want to organize something like this you have to organize it in a turn-based way right I mean, it would be possible to organize live online games, but that would be more difficult for sure. And coordinating 40 people from all over the world, well, that's going to take some that's going to take some serious organizing. So yes, of course, I have to say one thing that about this, um, I do not totally agree because uh, for what I saw when I ha I had some games uh, with uh, one guy from Brazil and one guy from India and uh, me and uh, another guy from Europe. And uh, what I saw is that uh, we managed to find uh, a timetable, a, 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 a time that was good to play, I think one hour, two hours every day. We played quasi live. I think that if you want to find the, the, uh, the time to play everybody, you can try to do it. Of course, you can also say that Not all the games must be played at the same time, but the, the, the guys must agree a time to play, but you have to do that in three days, one week, in the weekend, just to decide. But the, the, the idea is that, okay, you need to find a slot Uh, of course, if you play in the tournament, uh, you, you need uh, uh, to know that uh, you, you must give, uh, how can I say, um, some availability to have three hours to play an online ga uh, real-time game. So what I think is that, okay, it's difficult, it's difficult, but uh, with some uh, flexibility, you can try to do that. Okay, if, uh, I'm not sure that it will work, but uh, probably it's much better than the solution that I founded for, the, for, the, for this tournament that, of course, uh, was, uh, I, I thought, this solution in order to have people from all around the world and uh, to have a lot of people that play in a synchronous way. 
But I saw that this uh, was really hard because uh, some guys play really fast. Some guys uh, look at the, 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 the ball game space just a few times uh, a day, and so this uh, slow down really the, the time of the game. For example, there was a guy that uh, was really, really slow, but uh, if you had, uh, when I added him to a WhatsApp group with all the other guys and everybody said, okay, it's turn to uh, the next player. And uh, he was, he, he increased his uh, speed uh, very much. So, but okay, you cannot do this every game for every people. So I don't know. I, I think that probably it's, can, we can think uh, to try a real-time uh, games for a tournament uh, of this kind, but uh, I'm not sure, but I think that probably uh, it could be better. Okay, so for the benefit of our listeners, I'd like to quickly recap the structure of this tournament, how it worked. Uh, as we said, there were 44 participants, to which dropped, but is a very low rate, to be honest. And the players had to play 10 games, in an asynchronous way, as we have already said and discussed. And for each game, the first player got six victory points for the tournament. The second one got three. Uh, the third one got one. And the fourth got known. Apart from, if I remember correctly, two games, Marco, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the, the players with the highest uh, ranking played together at the table one and so on. So uh, uh, the players which ranked from fifth to eighth, yeah. which is super difficult to pronounce uh, for, with, for me, played at table two and so on. So this way uh, you were sure not to, to not meet people whose skills were too far from yours, which all is also interesting because uh, it allows every player to confront, uh, uh, you know, to fight for the, for the ranking. And since there were so many games, you had the opportunity to rank up the, the rankings for a very long period of time. So I, I found this very, very interesting. Can I ask Marco why you decided for the 6310 uh, system were there any i don't know specific reasons you just it was just an experiment maybe you tried already that in some tournament in the past the, the main reason is that uh, first place and third place for example must be better than two times second place uh, second place and fourth place must be better than uh, two times the the third place so uh, if your results are, good or are uh, the same on average, if you had a better result in one game, you should have more points. This is the main idea. And this is, and this is like, for example, Formula Uno. This is like, for example, another, a lot of uh, games and sports uh, where the points are not proportional to the position. This is what I mean. I played uh, a lot of time, uh, three times, uh, the European uh, tournament of World Games uh, in Essen. And there, the points were five, three, two, one. The first, the first guy got five points. That is proportionally more than what takes the second and the third. But the second and the third and the fourth place were uh, in proportion. And uh, I didn't like that. Uh, for what I see in all the board games, 
tournaments that I did, also, for example, the ones uh, with the big, that is, uh, the, the, that are the guys that organize uh, games uh, in Italy. Uh, there is a logic that is very similar to this. The points are something different because they gave 1,000 1, points to the first, 600, and I don't know how many, to the third, second, and so on. But the, the, yeah, the idea behind is the same. I choose uh, 6310 because it's the easiest way in, way in which you can achieve uh, this, uh, uh, this goal. So that uh, the first uh, position and the first plus third is better than second plus second, second plus fourth is better than third plus third, and so on. It is, the, it is just the, the simplest way in, in which you can uh, achieve this. Okay, thanks. So another recap. The games themselves were structured this way. Each table was independent from the other ones. So each table had its setup, both the map and the tech trees and such, were decided random. But each player had to choose a faction using the auction system. So uh, for those who are not familiar with that, we do not talk uh, a lot about auctions. Each player in random order was asked to pick a faction for that game. And the other players, no, well, and all players, including uh, themselves, had to bid for each faction. In case you decided to pick a faction that was already picked, you had to give one of your final victory points. And if another one wanted to take the same race, uh, that player would pay two victory points and so on until all factions were picked. And in this way, one or more, of course, of the factions uh, were picked with uh, no penalties. This, the auction system is a bit controversial among the gaming community. I know that Simone doesn't love it, for example but uh, I will leave you two to discuss this. And I'd like to take just the opportunity to, well, ask again to Marco why you chose the auction system. And then, well, if someone wants to comment, he's welcome, of course. First of all, the, the auction system, it, was, it is the standard one, that, the first one that we are implemented on, uh, on Borg and Space. And uh, it is uh, an auction system that is... Uh, uh, used uh, exactly at, uh, in the same way in, uh, in, on Terra Mystica and on Board Game Arena and on other games that has a faction or that, uh, has not, uh, that are uh, asymmetric. And uh, I think for what I see that it works very well. I, I uh, use it also in some tournaments, uh, in Italian board games competitions, uh, uh, different uh, kind of, of actions, but I think that this is the better for what I see, for my, in my opinion, and it's only the opinion of a lot of guys that make uh, a lot of tournaments. And in fact, for example, for uh, we uh, this kind of action made in exactly this way was adapted to many other games uh, in the tournament with big that, uh, as I told you before, uh, other guys that organize the, the Italian tournaments. And uh, so this, uh, I can say that. Uh, up to now, this, for what I see, this is, this is becoming the default action uh, mode uh, that you have in games like that. And why this? I think that, uh, and why I'm saying that it probably is the better. Because, uh, first of all, you have to, to know all the uh, races that there are on the game. And this is very important to choose uh, the 
to make the the correct bet for for any for any fashion and this is why for example i really don't like the other action mode that you have on board game space in which you bet for the race before knowing all the other races all the other factions and this in terra mystica and in gaia uh, specifically in gaia is not uh, a good idea because uh, uh, what i bet for a faction really depends strongly from the fact that there is a faction or there isn't another faction of, uh, of a specified color so this is uh, fundamental in my opinion and then uh, i think that in general action uh, is very good uh, is necessary to uh, to give uh, some uh, uh, equity to all the factions of the game because uh, uh, the setup is random totally random and we don't know we know that in some setups uh, it's clear that some races uh, that some factions are uh, take very big advantages for example in, in setups just uh, there are many possibilities, but just if you think to the, the cases in which all, all the white planets are near at the center of the, of the table and uh, it's a big advantage for the white, so it's correct that the white must bet more points to be played. So I think that the action is a very good idea. It's the best thing to do to give equity to the game, uh, because if you just pick fashion in order, for example, like in Snellman, there are some uh, situations in which uh, I play the mystic of Snellman, and I really thought that with that race, uh, playing as fourth player, it was quite impossible for me to, to win the game. In my opinion, it's, it's very, very important that there, there is an action, and this modality of the action, action is uh, very good because uh, you have always under control what is happening. I mean, if you bet, you know that uh, all the other factions will play with the points that are already bet or more points uh, less from the beginning. When you bet, you exactly know what you are going to bet. You exactly know the, all the other factions that there are and you can uh, make a, a bet without surprise. Also, there is another thing that I like, and uh, the reason is that uh, in, with this kind of action, it does not, it should not happen that you bid for a, for a faction that you don't want, because Sometimes it happened, and also to me, to be honest, that uh, uh, I took a, a race, a faction that I didn't want, because I was supposing that someone was going to to bet uh, more than uh, more for that race, and not uh, anybody did uh, do that, and so I took a, a, a faction that I didn't want. What I mean is that. Uh, if you make a, a bet for a faction, you really must can play that faction because with this kind of action, you are not sure that uh, that somebody will make uh, another bet for that faction. And uh, overall, another thing, I love action because you need to know how to play all the factions. Because, for example, in some games, uh, I saw... Uh, also in the tournament, 
I saw that, uh, for example, Lantis in one game were really, really had a really bad setup, and so the the actual the action went crazy uh, with more than 20 points for every other faction. And then, of course, uh, the guy who took Lantis uh, had to know how to play them very well because if you know how to play well Lantis, uh, for example, in that case, that is, a, that is a faction that is not well played by everybody, you took a very big advantage because uh, other guys start with 20 points more, uh, less. So I think that uh, making a summary, the reasons why this action is good is that you must play well all uh, factions, there is equity uh, in the game, and uh, you exactly know for what you are going to bet, and you have no surprise. Okay, so thanks, uh, Ms. Mona. Have you, have you listened? you have something to say about this, maybe? I, I, I didn't really want to turn this into a pro and against auction episode, also because we have plenty of stuff to comment upon yet. But if I have to say why I do not like auction very shortly, and, and maybe you can cut me on this. Well, there are several reasons. Well, first of all, you're introducing in the game a new mechanic that was not originally part of the game. And in this way, you're actually altering the nature of the game itself. And auctions are based on a bidding system, at that point, that becomes gambling, right? Gambling, not in, in a bad sense, but gambling in, in the sense that you're basically relying on, um, on mechanisms such as, as those that you have in games such as poker, I don't know, where you have to bluff, where you have to, you know, out, scare people out of doing something, trying to convince them that they will, you will raise the bid. Or, so you are adding a whole new set of, of mechanics in the game that should not belong to a game such as Gaia Project. The way I see it, also, I, I always get the impression that people who, you know, who defend and support the auction system are mostly, not, not necessarily, but mostly uh, former players of Terra Mystica. Former players of Terra Mystica, they do love their, their auctions, and I understand why that is the case. But I also want to point out that Gaia Project is not Terra Mystica. It's a very different game where setup is much more variable. And I think these uh, lessons the need for auctions. Also, I think there are other systems in which the game can be balanced. And I'm specifically thinking about the last player take sector option, which gives the last player, as Marco was saying, provided they know how to play, the possibility to make a map that is basically very, very hard to play on for the factions that in that specific context would be really good. So if you see a very good context for Terrans, for instance, given by advanced tactiles, basic tactiles, round scoring booster, and so on and so on, uh, then you, you, you create a terrible map for Terrans or, or something, something of the sort, right? If you see that the Evids have their beloved uh, three-point confederation advanced tactile, try to, try to create very bad map for red and, and so on and so on. So this, of course, requires that uh, the, the fourth player, the one who rotates, knows what, what they're doing. But the point is that in an, in an ocean game, that requires that all four players know exactly what they're doing. Because I've seen, I've very often seen ocean go completely out of control. And I see people, you know, bidding 20, 25, 30 points for, for a faction. And I don't really think that Strongest players you may be, you can start the game and know for sure. Maybe you can start the game and say, okay, this, this faction is going to win. But it's very hard to say this faction is going to win by a margin of 20 points, 25 points, 30 points. Before the game even starts, mm, I'm not really I'm convinced 
that you can do that. And uh, finally, uh, I think one of the very interesting part of the game, I mean, one of the, one of the things that I love most about this game and the auction take away that thing from me is to, to look at the map, to look at the setup and see a way and see a path and see something that other players have missed. I actually love to be the, the four player to pick a faction because in, in, in that case, you can, you know, you can, you can see a, a path of victory points that uh, other players have not spotted and then run away with the game out, out of sheer ingenuity. This is one of the, the aspects of a guy project I like the most and that I feel auction kind of hamper. So this is, this is very briefly, I don't want to, to go into uh, much detail here, but I really hope that in the future we can have both types of competitions like auction one and non-auction one. And I mean, there are several different ways to go uh, in both directions. I think there are several different types of auction that you can implement. There are several different balancing mechanisms that uh, that you can implement for non-auction games. But Marco correctly pointed out that sometimes player player order is important. Sometimes you are for... I think that happens way, way less than people say, but sometimes you are left for player and you know that it will be very difficult for you to win the game because there were three, let's say, there were three playable factions and and they were all being picked and so you're left with a not so good choice so i think one of the main mechanisms that we need to we would need to implement if we ever were to try a tournament without auctions is to give everyone the opportunity to be first player second player third player and fourth player in the same distribution so every everyone should be first picker in the same number of games as everyone is, 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 is fourth pick and so on and so on. And that's it, very briefly, that's it. I see. Yeah, I think that the debate uh, for auctions, for rotating sectors, uh, will never see an end because both methods have uh, advantages and disadvantages. Talking about this tournament instead, I don't know. Marco, have you, as a player, because you also played in the tournament, as a player... Talking about the game, not, not about the structure of the tournament, but the games themselves. What were, what were your impressions? Uh, did you see uh, lots of different factions picked? Uh, what we players as a community say was, was true? Did players pick all the same factions on and on? Or maybe you saw some variances? I don't know. T -t Talk freely about this if you want. Uh, for what I saw, many players... Uh picked up uh, the usual uh, factions, but uh, there, is, there are uh, two exceptions. And the first one uh, is that some players enjoyed uh, to put uh, random faction on, on, uh, on the games. So, I mean, factions that were not good for that game. And so these created re really, really wild uh, auctions to not to take those factions. So uh, it's, true, it's true that the, the main picket factions were the Tacrons, Ambas, Terrans, uh, Itars, Ivits, and also Asdallas for, for what I see. I didn't, I didn't make the statistics yet about the number of picks of every faction, but I am uh, quite sure that those are the most picked. Uh, then, of course, sometimes uh, some players put Lantids in the, 
auction in some games where that was not good for Lantins, or I say Lantins, but also other factions, for example, Gleans, that has not a big flexibility, are very good on, on some setups, but they are really not good on other setups. So, so for what I see, uh, this happened. And then uh, there are few players, and one uh, is one, one friend of mine, that uh, choose the to play with the less picked up uh, factions, but uh, he used to do this also when we play together uh, out of the tournaments, and uh, because uh, uh, he really likes to find really strange uh, and uh, unusual uh, ways of playing, and he's, he liked uh, to play in a, in a very uh, in, a, in a very different way from other, from other guys, from other players. And he loves uh, to use uh, very vertical strategies on the setup. So for what I see, there are some players that do this. I also saw that uh, the most played uh, factions were played in much, much different ways. For example, one of the differences that I see a lot of times and is one of the biggest discussions about uh, the factions uh, of the IA project and is that uh, with the guitars, with if you want to start uh, with, uh, with the academy or start uh, with the planetary institute. And uh, for example, I saw games in which uh, players played very well in, in one way or very well in another way. So I, for what I saw, also the main factions, when we are picked up from the, from the players on the first table, so from the best players on the tournament, uh, were played in many, many different ways. So what I really enjoyed is to see that, okay, even if some factions are picked up a lot of times, the way in which they are played sometimes are surprising. And there are a few players that I saw playing in a way totally different from what I have done. Sometimes they did really good scoring, sometimes they didn't, but it's interesting the same. So, okay, it's true that some factions are picked up more than the others, but for what I see in a tournament uh, when you can choose factions, uh, you can expect uh, something like that. But uh, to be honest, uh, there was a good distribution. In many, many games, we saw uh, also other uh, factions. For example, I have here in front of me in the first turn, I, I see Geodens, I see a lot, uh, a lot of uh, Lantids, uh, Firax, uh, I see Xenos also in the first turns, so they were played a lot. I, I saw a lot of people playing Baltax. So what I mean is that, okay, uh, the, the number of picks of some factions are more than others, but for what I see, all factions were played uh, a good number of times. All right, that's, uh, that's good to know. That's interesting. Matteo, now I would like to hear about your experience in this tournament. So we, we've just heard that, uh, well, pretty much all factions were played in the tournament and most of them a consistent number of times. But what, what was your, as you know, as the winner of this tournament? Let us know, let us learn from the best, let us learn from your secrets. What were the, the factions that brought you to victory? So you played 10 games, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, can, you, can you tell us? Yes, of course. I have uh, all the factions I picked here in front of me, and I am seeing strange things. 
my 10 games were distributed like this. With two games each, I played Embus, two games, Terence, two games, Ferox, twice, and then once for each of these ones, uh, Itars, a terrible game, by the way, Hadshalas, Iris, and of course, Lantids. Now that I look at them, I see weird things. For example, I never played with Teclons. And this is super weird because uh, in a competitive environment, of course, things change a bit. Usually you might want to experiment. Uh, you should want to experiment, in my opinion. But in this case, what you do is to get everything you have learned up to that moment and try to throw all in in order to win games. So since what I have learned is that Tyclones are a total beast, it's super weird to me that I never played them. But I think that, yeah, once I just made a mistake, namely the last game. Uh, well, except for Ambas, because if Ambas were in play, Tyclones couldn't be there, of course. But uh, in other contexts, uh, I just thought that maybe Tyclones, uh, both due to maybe some wild auctioning, or to unfavorable setups in terms of uh, advanced textiles weren't the best choice. This is what strikes me first. Then I see that I played, of course, I didn't play any orange game, but this is, uh, I mean, a given because you can't win with those factions, as we all know, in any context ever. But no. Uh, sorry, sorry, now now you are you're putting Geodens and Baltax on the same level. You know, that's hurting me. No, you know, of course, I'm talking about Baltax 99% of the, of the time because people always pick Baltax. Okay, I'll stop it here, but I, I had to say this. And I played no yellow games. This is a little surprise to me, to be honest. Because uh, uh, Xenos, uh, you know, I am never convinced by just seeing a game that Xenos are the best candidate to win that game. There was actually one game when I, it's the one that where I played Ivitz, where Xenos had a really good setup. I remember that they had the three point per victory tile on top of the QIC truck, but that was stolen by the Ivitz player, namely me. So <laughs> this is a good example that Xenos, uh, in my earnest opinion, are, are difficult to play and also don't see many good setups for them. Uh, there was one game where I badly wanted to play Glints. It was the fourth one. Uh, I, I threw Glints in and I wanted to pick them, but something super weird happened because everybody started auctioning everything like Madman, and Glints went at minus 20. At that point I said, okay, let's be honest. It's a good setup, but it cannot be that good. Uh, everybody was at minus 20 except for Lantids, which I'm very grateful for because uh, I picked Lantids and I won that game and it was like the, the best one. But yeah, in general, I have to be fair, I saw a lot of uh, variability among the various factions, but looking at my, at my picks, I have uh, three blue games, uh, uh, two browns, uh, two reds, a nice second place with the Hachalas. It was a very nice game. One white. This is because ETARs are good, but I'm not the best one of them. And two gray. My final note here would be that uh, uh, the two games with Firax were among the worst ones. Uh, this is because uh, I, personally, I tend to overrate Firax a bit. Yeah, all in all, 
I played lots of different factions uh, and uh, I was rewarded in most of cases, as you said before, that I, I think I had uh, 60% of my games uh, were due to uh, seeing things that maybe other players didn't. For example, uh, the first game was with Ambas and I won it by rushing the three-point perfederation tile on top of the navigation track. And uh, 40% was just sheer luck because, you know, when you play at a, at a high level or, or a very high level, you are strongly dependent also on the decisions taken by other players, which can or cannot favor you. Well, when I, you know, when I, before I was referring to the idea that you can sometimes see something, you know, some secret path to victory that other players haven't spot. Well, I had in mind something more subtle than three points per federation <laughs> for Ambas on the top of the navigation track. I mean, if, if nobody else in your game saw that, well, that's a problem then. That's not exactly, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm going to do this a secret trick and nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to see me coming. <laughs> but okay, apparently no. they didn't see you coming. No, but uh, to be fair, that was my first game. So I, that could happen because, you know, uh, during the first uh, or the second round, players are basically uh, random sorted. So yeah, yeah, you are not yeah. playing against people who won before. You don't know if you have a very experienced player or not uh, and stuff like that. Yes, but, yes, um, I, was, I was joking. So in the during the last games, that couldn't happen. No, uh, when what you were referring to happened was during that fourth game with Lantitz. I am 100% sure about that because there was the three-point-per-mine advanced style on top of the uh, science truck. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And I'm sure that nobody saw that coming, because I mm -hmm. took that uh, round four, as I said in our Lantids guide, and that grant me something like 27 to 30 points. It was madness. Yeah. And I won that again by a very large margin over uh, everybody else. Yeah, that was probably one of these situations in which somebody, you know, throws a, a faction in in the auction system to, to tweak the meta a little and to create this not particularly healthy mechanism in which, you know, now there is a bad faction in the pool and somebody's going to get stuck with it. And yeah, they probably didn't expect you to, <laughs> you know, to score some 30 points uh, out of an advanced tech talent and, uh, and win the game. So sometimes that that plan can backfire. That's, that's another thing I don't really like about action game, but the problem can be eliminated by, you know, adding the rule that if you pick a faction and nobody outbids you on that faction, you're stuck with that faction. That should uh, really uh, dissuade people to throw in bad, bad inverted commas factions just for the sake of it, just for... I, I never thought about it that way. You're right. You know, I also saw that uh, as the games progressed, uh, the distance in terms of final scoring between uh, the players shortened by far. I think that uh, the last game, and Mark will correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. so all players within, in a margin, within a margin of seven points or mm -hmm. something like that, mm -hmm. right, Marco? Uh, yes, uh, but I have to say that I was just looking at this uh, just uh, now, and uh, uh, for what I see... With, a, with some small exceptions, in the table one, especially in the in the table one, the difference between the, the players was always very very low. Okay, in the last game, it was uh, only 14 points, but it was uh, a very crazy and strange game. 
But uh, I have to say that uh, all the games of Table 1, uh, there was a very big equity. Uh, for example, then with the exception perhaps of one or two games. But uh, I was looking at this and I think that uh, this means that uh, players uh, at, the, at the first tables uh, could give uh, a very correct uh, weight to the factions. And this means that probably there is no, nothing that is really, really evident that somebody didn't see. Of course, there, there were some strange and not usual strategies that probably were not seen in some situations, but I think that the equity that we have in the, in the first table during all the tournaments is important to say that, okay, the, the level... I think that was good for this reason, and uh, and all the f the games that uh, I played at table one, I think that I played uh, four or five games at table one. Um, the first two games were random, but then from the the third uh, game, the table one was uh, made by the players that uh, achieved uh, uh, much more points in the previous games. I think that I really enjoyed a lot those games because of this reason because. Even the one that I arrived fourth with Neblas, okay, I arrived fourth with a big uh, difference of points, but uh, because I made a big error in turn five, uh, without that error, I don't know if I could win the game or arrive third, but of course, uh, I would have been near to the others. Yeah, as long as the tournament progressed, I, I personally saw two things. I, I saw two things which progressed uh, along with the tournament. The first one was that uh, a single mistake was much more costly for you. And this is obvious because as the level gets higher, you must not make mistakes in order to win. I learned from my terrible uh, last game with Itars, uh, which was partly played on the seaside. And this is why I was not very focused on it, to be fair. But um, I made some very bad moves uh, during the last rounds and that cost me a lot. I arrived third. And the second one was that uh, also with, with this progression, you know, I saw that uh, the strategies which were played by players in general, but especially by the winners, uh, tended to be different from the strategies you may recommend in guides uh, like those that we that we write. A nice example of this was that very last game, which one won by Marco uh, in a spectacular Darklands game, where he he rushed the three horse button on top of economy. I, I, I don't know, Marco, was it? No, I, I, it, was, it was a crazy game because I totally had to change uh, my strategy because uh, there were a very uh, good uh, um, tile on the top uh, of uh, the science that, that was uh, the tile of two points uh, for every upgrading research. And I wanted to take that with the Taclons and I made a, a first step on science that was taking uh, the tile of four power. And my idea was to do that. But crazily, the Edith's made the total rush on that. After uh, the first tours, I saw that insisting on it, probably I could also take it before Ibiz, but uh, during the game, I was not sure about that. And I had to really, really change uh, the strategy. And uh, I uh, upgraded the navigation. And then 
it was not uh, i didn't see it at the beginning but uh, i i took the the tile of three or for every turn and at the fifth turn there were points for the steps and uh, i think that i arrived to that turn with uh, 15 uh, or and uh, i made something like 20 or 22 points uh, with steps at the fifth turn yeah and uh, sorry, th this is what I was talking about, you know, because uh, we saw a lot of improvising, which meant changing plans according to other players' strategies. I really like that because uh, I saw these cyclones with infinite resources who never stopped uh, their turns, basically. This is what I liked the, the most because uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you really, I think that you really know how to play if you both know which can be a good path for you, but also you can improvise and change stuff while you're already going. These are the two things I saw, basically. I totally agree with this, and uh, um, I have to say that uh, I also really like this, and I saw, like I told you before, that uh, some strategies were really, really strange and probably was improvised, like uh, my strategy in the last game. And so, um, to be honest, I think that uh, good players must play well outside the patterns uh, and the good players are the ones that play better outside the patterns. All right. Thank you guys to both of you. Sounds like you had a lot of fun this tournament and can't wait for the next one to begin so I can, can I, enroll. Can I, can I just uh, say one thing about the tournament? A uh, few very, very slow things that I think that it's important to say. Yes. I think I am very happy of how the tournament went. Uh, many players and players were, were uh, happy. I have to say that I have seen three things that must be improved. We already spoke about the first one, that is probably the fact that uh, games should be live or semi-live or something different than uh, what we had in this tournament. Another thing that I think that uh, uh, could uh, be very interesting and uh, also answer to a question we uh, discussed before is to choose uh, random uh, factions. I think that uh, in, the, in the next tournament, uh, I uh, would like to see random faction for every game. So we will see who is good to play also the factions that are not uh, the usual factions in some setups that are not... Uh, good setup for that fashion. And then uh, another thing that we didn't mention is the tie-break. The tie-break was uh, important because uh, Matteo won the tournament and I arrived second by the, by the tie-break. But the tie-break in the tournament didn't satisfy me too much uh, because uh, it was the percentage of points in the games uh, that you played. So in every game, you, you have the percentage of the point of the whole table, but probably it's not a good indicator. And uh, for what I think, uh, I will choose for the next tournament something that will be, if you arrive at the same points, you are before, you, if you have more first places, then more second places, and then, uh, for example, the, the greatest number of points in a single game. But uh, for what I saw, the tiebreak that I chose uh, was effectively a tiebreak that uh, was really difficult, that uh, didn't break tie. But uh, since in some games there are people that leave, players that are dropped, it happened a few times, but it happened. This uh, tiebreak uh, does not give equity. So this is the three things that I want to improve in the next tournament, uh, even if I'm very satisfied on how the things went in this tournament. Okay, so we can say you already have big plans for the future. Basically, we can already announce that there will be 
a second edition of this tournament. There will be, and it will be shorter for sure. I think I will uh, organize the next year. Uh, it will be shorter, more concentrated with the quasi live or live games. Probably also, we were, I was speaking with a guy uh, that uh, participated to a tournament uh, of Terra Mystica with uh, uh, some games that were on Twitch in real time. So yeah. I think that also we can speak about something like that. And uh, yes, of course, uh, when, we, when we can, I also want to organize a live tournament uh, uh, in person when we be possible uh, due to COVID. But uh, it will happen. It's uh, uncertain when it will happen, but it will happen. All right. All right. Well, that, that was going to be my next question, but you already answered that. So we're in the realm of pure speculation here. We're in the realm of pure science fiction. But one day it will be really, really great to have live, but live in the, in the sense of, you know, physically, <laughs> concretely, physically present live tournament of uh, Gaia Project. Do you think that would be possible to organize, Marco, yeah, once the absolutely. pandemic situation is, is uh, under control? So, absolutely yes. My idea was to organize this before the COVID situation, and I tried to organize a tournament before the COVID situation, But, uh, of course, I organized in March 2020, so I, <laughs> I chose the, exactly the, the worst period in uh, human history. So the, the tournament didn't take place, of course. But uh, at the same time, I can say that uh, I will for sure organize. And uh, the main goal of this tournament, uh, of this tournament that we did uh, online, was exactly to build a network between the most passionate and also some of the best players in the world uh, of Gaia Project. Just to make a network and to know people, to speak with people. And uh, so this will help a lot. This will help a lot when I will organize uh, a live tournament in person after COVID. Before COVID, I had 15 people that uh, would have come from outside Italy. And probably after this tournament, I... I think that uh, if I organize a, pro a tournament in Milan or somewhere in Europe where everybody can easily go, um, I think that uh, we can also think to arrive, uh, also, I don't say to 40, but probably to 30 players, uh, of course. This tournament was really, really fun. Uh, also because uh, I met uh, really nice uh, people with whom I played and with whom I chat and with whom also I discussed, uh, and not uh, always about the uh, Gaia project, but this will help to have a live in-person tournament uh, when it will be possible. I hope in, in 2022. I hope. So, uh, the winner of the previous edition will be funded for traveling, right? Grazie a tutti. 
players of Gaia Project from all over the world. And this is one of the best things that has happened, I think, uh, well, Gaia-wise in the last uh, the last year. You know, I, I, I moved from playing every week of, with a very uh, restricted group of friends uh, in a cellar to playing Gaia Project with people from, yeah, India, Japan, the States, um, Canada, you name it. So uh, I, I really, really can't wait for something like this to, to really take place. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And there was one game where I played and at some point I realized and told the other ones, uh, guys, I- I'm from Italy. There was a player from the US. Another one was from India. And the fourth one was from the Netherlands. That was incredible. And I and I could still be, be fascinated by the internet in 2021 that was spectacular you're correct i i have a game with canada brazil and india it was the the most uh, how can i say the, game with, with the greatest distances that i did and it was crazy of course okay so uh thanks again for to marco for um visiting us thank uh, you guys I hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode, this chat of uh, Pi Project. Tell us what you think if you appreciated this and maybe want more in the future. And I don't know if someone wants to say something else. Yeah, can I add uh, just a very short shout out to our good friend from Poland, um, Ariel Lito, and I don't really know how he wants me to pronounce that nickname, so I'll just pronounce it the Italian way. Forgive me, Arielito, if you can. Uh, Arielito just launched another tournament on BGS, much smaller one. It's only 16 players. Unfortunately, by the time you're listening to this, the number of players has already been reached, so you can only watch from outside. But keep an eye on that. Uh, it's going to be played in next month uh, on the BGS platform, and uh, it will feature a very interesting format in which... Uh, uh, Every play, all the players uh, that play in a game, they have to play that game four times in a row with the same setup. And every time they will uh, take one of the factions that have been used by wh- one of the other players in the, in the previous game. So it's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. Me and Matteo will be playing. We will uh, also give some updates of the tournament as the, the podcast progresses. So this is really it. I think we can say goodbye to all our listeners. Matteo. Yes, of course. So thanks again uh, to Marco for coming to visit us. And of course, thanks a lot to you all for listening to us and here again on the next episode of Project. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye.